This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. Welcome everyone to the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. I'm Mariah Mohammed, writer and moderator with Becker's Healthcare. I'm absolutely thrilled to have with me today, Dr. Paul Antler, Regional Chief Medical Officer at the University of Michigan Health. Doctor, it's very nice to have you on the podcast today. How are you? Good. How are you? It's my pleasure, Mariah. Good, good. Thank you so much for being on today. We really do appreciate it. And to get us started, would you mind please introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your background? Sure. Uh, as Mariah said, I'm, I'm a physician by training. Um, I'm a board-certified internist and obesity medicine specialist and currently serve as the regional chief medical officer at the University of Michigan Health and had previously served as a chief clinical officer for Sparrow Health System and prior to that, the vice president of quality for, this, for Sparrow Health System as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for giving us that background. So, to begin with the real questions of the podcast today, the first thing I wanted to ask you is, can you tell me about your most successful project or initiative from the last year? What issues were you trying to solve and also what drove the success? Sure. So I uh, just take a step back, Mariah. So one of my passions is leveraging analytics to help improve patient outcomes, as well as clinical works, workflows for our clinicians and bedside caregivers. So it's not an unknown issue that emergency departments across the nation are overburdened with admitted patients that are boarded down in the emergency department, some, sometimes for days. At one of our areas and hospitals, our level one trauma center, on any given day, we would have uh, 50 to 80 patients boarded. And as I mentioned, sometimes for days, some of them actually got discharged that were admitted, but discharged from the emergency department because they never got an inpatient bed. The issue is our ED only has 65 rooms. So if you do the math, the math doesn't add up. And uh, to make matters worse, there's only one other smaller hospital in the region. And so the term diversion really is not an option as the, you know, we, we, were, we eventually, because of this, the capacity issues had chairs and gurneys lying down the halls uh, our, our emergency management system ambulance crews were gridlocked as well, sometimes having 10 rigs backlogged, waiting to offload patients given the gridlock issues and the, the capacity. In addition, we had significantly high patient safety events. Overall, it was not a good situation for our patients, nor our clinicians and caregivers. And unfortunately, this became the norm. Uh, this is as good as it could get and, and really... On January 25th this past year, when we had reached close to that 80 patients a day, um, and a day I will not forget, you know, we had some plans, but eventually I assembled a team and we and we executed a five-point improvement plan that uh, with the goal of reducing admitted patients boarded in the emergency department. And this was an all-in approach. And amazingly and incredibly, within a matter of three days, we had ED boarded patients below five. So on any given day, just to reflect, we would be at 50 to 80, we were down to five. And even some days we had zero patients boarded in, boarded in the emergency department. 
And, um, you know, the staff was in disbelief. But it also, you know, the one really great thing besides reducing safety events by 50 percent, we were able to improve the morale of our staff by just, you know, when, when um, caregivers sign up to work in the emergency department, they want to do emergency department work, not med surge work. And so that was important to us as we really worked on this plan. And the other byproduct of this, by improving efficiencies through the system, we were also able to improve our operating margin uh, through the improved efficiencies. And I'm sure other hospitals struggle with that as well. And, and uh, length of stay decreased by half a day. And this uh, plan was a, was a really good plan, but the winning mindset of the teams actually drove the success. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for giving us uh, that insight into, you know, the successful project. As you know, the clinical workforce has changed a lot in the last few years. What challenges are you still facing and how do you see the clinical workforce evolving? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, you know, the clinical work, there isn't a meeting or a day that goes by that doesn't keep, that keep me up at night related to our workforce challenges. And, and these are challenges across the board, both in the inpatient and outpatient side. And there are multiple factors that are driving the workforce challenges, including the work-life balance. You know, we're, we're really seeing a higher acuity of patients, and that may still be an overlay of the COVID effect for patients not seeking care during the initial phases of the pandemic. Uh, physician, provider, and caregiver burnout and then really a behavioral health crisis. So we have a lot of boarded. One, one thing I didn't mention in the last, um, you know, one of the great successes we had, one of the other issues we have is behavioral health patients boarded not only in our emergency department, but up on the floors, and then, you know, in, and then having our caregivers being assaulted by patients and families have really, really caused some workforce challenges, and those that are leaving the workforce. So I see, you know, what is the solution? So I see emerging models uh, that we can learn from. When the pandemic hit, we leveraged some hybrid models for the non-clinical caregivers that uh, seemed so far off, but, you know, having all remote or part remote and on-site, I see those models evolving actually into the clinical setting and, and leveraging artificial intelligence in a, in a more virtual platform, not, not just telemedicine in terms of us having a, a video visit with a patient, but also having virtual nursing, virtual medical assistants, physicians, et cetera, et cetera, to help really offset some of the workforce challenges um, we're having. And, and for me, the starting point is really reevaluating uh, you know, what our vision is, and then, you know, really working to the top of the licensed practice across the board, which I will believe if we really achieve that, which I believe we can, we will reduce burnout and really start galvanizing a workforce and get others back into the workforce that may have left. Wonderful. Thank you so much for giving us that, that insight. And Doctor, before I let you go, the last thing I wanted to ask you is, do you have any advice for aspiring physician and nurse leaders? Sure. And, and I, I will not lie to you, the last few years have been quite challenging for, for myself personally as a leader, as I'm sure others. And, you know, there's different leadership styles. The traditional transactional leader, um, where 
it's a hierarchical top-down approach. Um, you know, sometimes that's needed in terms of rapid change. But I'd like to really, for me, transformational leadership is really the true north as we're really trying to really look at all this disruption in our healthcare environment, the rapid change, competition and uncertainty. And, um, you know, I just want to really level set because for me as a leader, patient outcomes and our outcomes for our caregivers and wellness are, are near and dear to me. So during COVID, despite this unforeseen pandemic, our actual risk-adjusted mortality improved. And really one of the few hospitals in the nation to actually uh, be able to do this. Additionally, our central line acquired bloodstream infections improved uh, significantly close to 80% over the, the last couple of years. Our goal is obviously zero. We are very close to that now which seemed so insurmountable years ago when we had a, a fair amount of those infections. And I did, did tell you the story about our ED capacity and the amazing, amazing results. I could go on with the improvements. These were not easy and they were quite challenging. So my advice to aspiring physician and nursing leaders, first and foremost, I, I think a lot of times, and even myself, I really wanted to keep developing my skill set. You know, I went and got a master's in medical management from Carnegie Mellon. But it's actually the true north. And if you really want to get to where you, you really want to be in your career as a successful leader, it's your mindset. So I would challenge all physician and nursing leaders to first and foremost examine your mindset and your values and your leadership style. And, and I pose the question, do you have a fixed in victim mindset, or do you have a growth and abundance mindset? And I'm, you know, many books have said this, but the leader sets the culture. And your mindset must be in the right place, as it does trump the skill set. Although skill sets are needed, but mindset is the energy needed to move and sustain improvements, as, as well as career advancement. And as I look back on my 15 plus years uh, as a physician executive. I feel even I feel I feel so strong about this that I I wrote a soon to be released book called Empowering Minds: Unleashing Transformational Leadership by Unlocking Potential in You and Those You Lead. And this book essentially outlines the characteristics of a transformational leader, evaluates poverty of mind, limiting beliefs, and, and mindset. A quick read by Impositive will help you. It, it will help leaders and aspiring leaders really navigate really challenging times uh, across the board in healthcare. Wonderful. Thank you so much for those final thoughts, doctor. This has been an amazing and informative discussion. So again, I want to thank you so much for coming on Becker's Healthcare, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Okay. Thanks, Mariah. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.